When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We now present Manny Hill's Four Deep Thoughts on the Ride with Royce. Never have we needed a Four Deep Thoughts as bad as we do after this weekend with uh, the happenings that were taking place on the local sports scene. And following suit, this will be, just like last week, the best Four deep thoughts <laughs> right. to date. I'm the predicting it will be. Uh, I am predicting <laughs> it'll be fantastic. I don't know if you get a standing ovation like you did last week, but uh, that's fine. <laughs> All right, number one. Four man pressure. Borders turns and fires, and this one is nearly intercepted, and it finally hits the ground after going through four purple shirts. Play action. He's firing the ball. It's intercepted. This one's picked off by Harrison Smith, the All Pro safety, who stepped right in front of D.D. Westbrook. And the Vikings have it in scoring position. Okay. The Jacksonville Jaguars are a very, very talented football team. And, of course, they're coming off a season in which they reached the AFC Championship game and were just a few minutes away, actually, from going to the Super Bowl. But Blake Bortles still stinks. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he had a fine first half in that game. Well, yeah, but that pick he threw to Harrison Smith mm-hmm. was bad. That was really bad. And the and the highlight Tempted before to throw that one where, earlier, right? Yeah, and the one that I mean, I forget who it was that actually almost picked it off, but it was I mean, he I know Jalen Ramsey had his thing last week where he went around and he took some shots at some of the other quarterbacks in the league, but he's got to look in his own backyard, man. This kid is just not What's not his biggest good. problem? The arm is okay. He's got he's a decent got, arm. The arm strength is there. He's, he has the doesn't, physical. Doesn't see. He's receive. got the size. He's mobile. He's got a strong arm, but he just doesn't the see defenders or what? I, I don't know. He deal? just doesn't see defenders, and he's he's inaccurate sometimes. The decision making's not always that good, and I just if they if they don't contend again, it's going to be because he's just not that good. I think he's the the one weak leak on this team because everything else on their roster is actually really solid. Who was worse Saturday, him or Cousins? Uh, probably Kirk was probably mm-hmm. worse. Mm-hmm. I would say Cousins was probably mm-hmm. worse, but I'm not as worried about Kirk Cousins as I am about right. Blake Bortles. So. I did tweet out that wouldn't it be hilarious if he stunk? Some people did. <laughs> I'm not predicting he'll stink. I think he'll be fine, but it would be funny if he stopped. You know, I was in attendance, though. <laughs> that offensive line was under siege that entire first drive. Yeah. That, who, that, the, who played, by the way? Uh, only Reef, I believe, uh, Reef, of Reef their was regular the only normal starter. Yeah. yeah. So who's the left guard? Who, that Compton? Compton was yeah, that was left Compton. guard. Then we got, well, the F line's not playing, so some kid. And Remmers is supposed to be back this week. Who played right guard? I don't even. Was oh, it Isadora? Guy. 
Is that who oh, started? Isidore, I guess. Uh, it might have been, yeah. And Rashad Hill's their starter. He played, didn't he? Or didn't I, he I play did, either? I did Saturday Sports Talk with Judd and Collar yes. on, on Saturday, and, and we one of the topics we got into was the offensive line, all the injuries and everything. And Collar was just throwing off names that I looked at Judd. I was like, I, I don't know who the hell any of these guys <laughs> are that are that are getting thrown out there right now. Okay, so. Now you raised a bigger issue, though. I know we're having changes around here. But we didn't get rid of Joey D, did we? No. I was Joey just filling in for Joey D. Oh, thanks, Just filling in for Joey D. Yeah. He's the backbone of this And operation. I know why. I saw Joey D on Saturday. Where? At U.S. Bank Stadium. That's right. Joey he was D working the, the He was working the yeah. stands. He was working the stands, yeah. I bought a hat from Joey that's D. That's why I was in for him. Okay. Yeah. Right. I had to help the industry. That's right. Joey D does uh does work over there at the uh at the US Bank Stadium. I, thank God. I thought Joey D might be I don't mind losing my job, but I'd be very upset if Joey D got gotta yes. retain the dock of rock. That's right. <laughs> All right, number two. He'd be turned the corner and get there as Kessler watches the linebacker turn the corner and get there for a sack. And a flag thrown in the mix from Hockey League. A foul. Roughing the passer by the defense, number 56. Landing with his body weight on the quarterback. 15 yards, automatic, first down. All right, so this, I guess you can unofficially call it the Aaron Rodgers rule where you can't land on a quarterback with your entire body weight thing is just... This is going to be something very, very interesting to watch that this year because it just that was not a slam in any way. It was way. a garbage call, yes. and that is going to be something to watch this entire season because my fear is that something like that, what we saw on Saturday, is going to cost somebody a game oh, during sure. a regular season. Well, it's going to be the difference. Fifteen yards can cost you a game at any time. Mm-hmm. Right? You, that's not a fifteen-yard difference. That's a twenty-five-yard difference. Right? Instead of dropping a guy for eight yards, you're Marching them 15 yards further. You can't have a penalty flag thrown every other play. It's making this game unwatchable. Hockley's uh, kid is just as big an idiot. Oh, boy, does he love the camera. (laughs) Just like, does he he got the tight uh, guns? No, he needs to work on the upper body. He looks like like dad in the face. He looks exactly like his dad, but he's not built like him. We talked to Seifert last week, and he said it hadn't been outrageous yet, but he sort of predicted. That they're going there would probably mm-hmm. be more calls, and so what? What would that be based on? The league saying, "Okay, call every little thing here to try to get them to change it," and then opening day we're not going. That's is that not going to be a penalty? I the regular hope season that's the case because not, it's yeah. because Saturday was it was unwatchable it was at times. It was a joke, and Cody Kessler, who was the quarterback in for the Jaguars at that time, he got up and he was fine. Yeah. The rest of the way. Well, the so it's not like on him. He, yeah, it's, it's it was, not like he all oh, the guy yeah, just landed well, his whole body on him and he's well, so hurt well, now. The thing it's just about ridiculous. That, you know what I hate when they call penalties? When I don't have the thought, I wonder if that was a penalty. You know what I'm saying? Is that's yeah. a play you watch and say, Okay, what's what's the down yeah. now? You don't say, I wonder if that was a penalty. There was there right. was no controversy. Yeah, it's just it's it's stupid, but We'll see how it goes. All right, number three. Here's Peterson up the middle, and he will take it all the way for an Arizona touchdown, 27 yards. Energy that Adrian Peterson brought with him. There's still patience as a runner. Look at this. See right there? He's looking. He's evaluating. He sees the hole, and once he sees the gap, then he hurdles to it. All right, so Adrian Peterson is signed with the Washington Redskins. Only took four injuries at running back. He's ready to go. <laughs> right. 
So my question for you guys is, will he get 1,000 yards this year? No, no not in that offense. No. Well, there's like four running backs on that team. Yeah, but too, they're all right? hurt. Well, but Chris Thompson is still their featured back, isn't isn't he? I know he's banged up, but got everybody hurt. The rookies out for the year. The reason they signed him is they're hurt. Well, they had a bunch of guys hurt. They got three, four guys hurt. That's why they signed him. I don't know. Do my big question is: Do the Vikings play them? Not this year. Shucks. Uh, well, yeah, good for Adrian. He hung around and he got a job. So let's see if he can do anything. But I don't think he'll. The best is I going to be when it. he when he has four carries through the first two games and, and he starts pouting. Yeah. No, I think he'll keep his mouth shut. I think he learned his lesson you, last year. You think Adrian's smart enough to be self aware yes. enough to not pout like he did against or did with the Saints? Yes, I am. I do okay. think that he might yes. pout, but we probably won't hear about it too mm-hmm. much. Maybe yep. not. All right, number four. One, two. On the inside corner for strike three. Froze Chapman with a curveball. He thought it was inside as he has words with D.J. Rayburn. Verlander's fifth strikeout. Swing and a miss. Verlander gets a strikeout of Lowry. And congratulations to Justin Verlander, who picks up his 200th career win. And I know in today's baseball, we don't focus too much on pitcher wins and everything, but this is still pretty cool. I think when a guy has been as good as Justin Verlander for as long for this long, I think you still got to talk about wins. So congratulations! I'm just to him glad on something wins. something finally good in his life That's happened. Right. <laughs> That's right. He's going to have the first 150 uh, pound baby though. Uh, this baby's going to be like six months old. It's going to be the size of me. But that's going to but uh, good for him. Congratulations! Hey, that was that was good. Yeah. Not, no standing old, but that was fine. That was up to the standards we expect. All right, we shall return. Courtney Cronin will talk to us from Egan. Courtney Cronin covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. Even by preseason standards, that was a clunker on Saturday. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. Uh, that was that was a thing that happened. I think that by the time we all got out of there, we were all happy it was over, and I'm sure the Vikings were too. I mean, the offense did not look good. I mean, the only bright spot was that Mike Boone had a nice performance, and maybe this uh, number three running back thing's uh, finally starting to take shape. But yeah, there there was not a lot of good on either side to take away from that game. Uh, big news today uh, is that Forbath uh, was uh, released and the kicker will uh, be the uh, Dan Carlson, the kid from Auburn. I uh, I can't imagine anybody's too surprised by this unless no. unless Carlson had been terrible. Uh, Spielman's going to take his guy. Yeah, and I mean, you, you, all signs pointed to this four months ago. You don't draft up into the fifth round to, to select a specialist. Uh, if you're not planning to keep that guy on the roster. When, when Forbath re-signed in, I think it was the end of March, uh, you know, that, that deal, all that was guaranteed was a $200,000 signing bonus. So, yeah, that's the dead money that they eat. But, you know, there was no, there was no guaranteed money left on his one-year deal. Um, and he's been really inconsistent by, you know, the standards of what it was last year on extra points. He was 34-39, which was uh, the worst in the league despite – how accurate he was on field goals. So it's like, you know, maybe we should have made the extra points longer. So maybe he could have made them. I don't know if there's a mind game there with being a kicker. But um, I don't think you can discredit. You know, I know that there's, you know, it's kind of a margin for very little error with a guy like Daniel Carlson if we're following the same standard. But Tom Forbath, I mean, 
The Minneapolis miracle was, you know, something that Stephon Diggs and Case Keenum will always be remembered for. But let's not forget, you know, there were some pretty big field goals that Forbath hit uh, at multiple points. I think there's a 51-yarder in there, and there was, you know, multiple, I think, from 45 and beyond that he hit in that game. He did some good things, uh, you know, throughout his time here in Minnesota, just, you know, struggled there on extra points and the real nail in the coffin uh, to just, you know, end this thing and let a dead dog lie was when he missed a 41-yard field goal on Saturday against Jacksonville. I also think that they're doing him a favor by making the decision now because you never know who's going to be mad at their kicker after the last exhibition game and is uh, going to bring in, uh, you know, they bring in the three veterans and see who they like the best. That's, uh, you know what? Here's my theory on it. You're getting Daniel Carlson, who's got the big leg, and if you're six weeks into the season and he's becomes the second coming of Blair Walsh, there's guys like Kai Forbath out there trying out every week with teams. So. That's... Yeah, and I mean, he's been through it before. I mean, the, the example you bring up of, you know, coming down towards the stretch, I mean, that was something that happened with him and the Saints in 2000 and, um, you know, la- ahead of last season. So, yes. I mean, that was that's, it's something that I think these specialists are just kind of grown accustomed to where you're either the flavor of the week or, you know, you're, you're you know, what we talked about with him after the Baltimore game last year, I think he went 6-6 six six on field goals or... We're talking about you missing extra points. There's very little room to be mediocre, uh, which is why I'm glad I'm not a kicker because I don't think I could mentally handle that. Uh, Courtney, the more rules they come up with, uh, the more subjective it becomes for uh, officials. And you can go through the first two weeks like the Vikings did without, uh, you know, you can go through the first uh, exhibition game, second one, without tremendous uh, controversies, but if you get a guy, if you get a crew out there that's got the first name Hockley, they're going to go nuts and uh, make it a, you know, make it all about themselves. And I, I don't know how the hell does the NFL get any consistency in their officiating? They, these crews don't, you know, you, you get every game gets refereed different. It drive you'd have to drive you crazy if you were a player. Yeah, I think the interpretation of the rule is vastly different between different crews. And, you know, we're seeing it called a number of different ways. And that's the rule that we're referring to. I mean, there's two of them. First is the Anthony Barr rule, which, you know, just go ahead and put it in the rule book under Section 12, you know, Issue 9 or whatever the heck it is, um, about roughing the passer. It's the point of emphasis that they have this year that the Vikings were flagged for is the driving the guy into the ground. Which we saw, I know, we saw that one on uh, in the second half on, on Saturday, which is where Antoine Williams was flagged for that. It looked like a routine sack, but this is the NFL in 2018 where they're going to look at that last little ump that you give to guys. And it's, I think it's hard because I don't know how you stop somebody in motion of doing that. But the more controversial rule is the helmet rule, which, you know, any offensive or defensive player that, you know, initiates contact to another, to their opponent's body with any part of the helmet, that's a 15-yard penalty. Well, we saw it called pretty poorly in the first uh, preseason game, the Hall of Fame game with Chicago. Um, and then, there, you know, it was called pretty badly over the weekend. I think the San Francisco game was one of them. Uh, the Broncos game was another and then with the Vikings, I mean, C.J. Ham, A.J. Bouye gets flagged 15 yards for that would look like your perfect form tackle on the sideline. So that's something that nobody is shy about right now. Richard Sherman came out with some pretty heated comments, and then Mike Zimmer and both Harrison Smith today said they're not going to be surprised uh, if that decides games this year because 
of just the ambiguous, the ambiguous nature of how it's being called by different crews. And I don't know, you hope for the sake of the game they can work out some of these kinks now, uh, you know, call it a bunch if you have to, and then kind of eat back come regular season. Well, and Zimmer has kind of, uh, until this point, been, uh, you know, he was in on the decision and, uh, you know, he was in on the discussion anyway. And uh, he's kind of been, well, even on the stupid roughing the passer thing, he's, he he decided that he was going to side with the officials on it eventually yeah. after being screaming at him during the game. But, uh, you know, the... The helmet, you know, they said that if the running back lowers his helmet, it's a penalty on him. Well, the running back lowered his helmet as when he when he and the Jacksonville guy came together, they both had their helmets lowered. So how do we decide who's the penalty on? It's dumb. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think there's going to need to be. Uh, it's one of these things where hey, at least we don't have to worry about what a catch is anymore. I mean, that was the yeah. that was the point of the last few years, but this one. How do you adjust a rule in season? An issue weeks one, two, and three, and you know it's deciding games and, and it's being called at an absurd rate. Do you, how do you call an emergency session to kind of you know remedy some of the issues? And I know that it's new for the officials, and they're trying to make it just like with the rules on kickoff and kickoff return. They're trying to make it as cut and dry as possible. It's hard to do with this one because, and I asked Harrison Smith about this. The point of the point you're trying to make is like, okay, lead with your shoulder. Well, last I checked, your shoulder's about four inches from your head. Yes. And a lot of times it's so quick in how that's happening. It's all within the same fluid motion that your head's probably going to get there first. Um, it's tough. And, and these players are, you know, I'm not advocating for what Anderson Gayho's saying with his make football violent again um, in that notion. But I also think there's a happy medium of, this is this is absurd and it's physically impossible to do with the way that they wanted to officiate it. Okay, the guy from uh, Williams from Minnesota gets his hands on if that's Roethlisberger's, he's getting his hands on uh, and getting his arms around. How can he tackle him without putting his weight on this big monster? You know, I mean, the, when when these guys are going to try to roll a guy like. Roethlisberger to the ground, well, he's not going to go down. He's going to step away and complete a pass. Yeah, and that's the problem with, like, what, you know, we watched the Anthony Barr film, which is really what stemmed this. I mean, the NFL wants to protect its quarterbacks. It doesn't do well uh, ratings-wise when guys like that are, are not playing in the game. And that's, of course, you're never going to get the lead to come out and say that. They're saying that they want to protect the quarterback who's in a defenseless position. Well, what are you going to do when a guy like Aaron Rodgers pump fakes? I mean, that's what he's known for. Like him, Russell Wilson, guys who can, you know, escape the pocket, pump fake, and then, you know, throw on the run. That's the issue that we saw there where, you know, Barr waited. He's, he, he has a lot of two steps before he tackled him. He waited, and he made what looked like a good tackle. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, where the quarter, where the quarterback was, whether he was in the pocket, whether he wasn't. I don't know. It's confusing, and it's stupid, and, you know, I don't know how you teach it any differently unless you're teaching them to literally wrap up with their arms and swing their bot their lower half of their body around uh, to to try to take the body weight off. I don't know. Maybe the quarterback should wear scales, and, and then we can tell if it's more than fifty percent of their body weight. You can say it's the majority of your body weight they're trying to take off of uh, quarterbacks on sacks and tackles. Well, that's that's the, my only. You would only think that with it. this, they would have to go back to very aggressively start calling in the grasp. If if I get my arms around a guy, he's down. 
you know that you know the like they were calling it 10 12 years ago remember everybody was whining about in the grasp but you know you're gonna have to start calling in the grasp if somebody has somebody secure but they can't take them to the ground with emphasis you know yeah and that i you know it's it brings up the larger question of for the helmet rule and the person into the ground that doesn't i don't know how that's going to change at the nfl level right now big picture wise that's something that in youth football and when kids are just starting to learn how to tackle that's where the the changes need to come because you're asking players to to adjust to something that is physically impossible the speed that you're playing um and i and i and i know that my i asked mike zimmer about it after the game like what was the explanation you got because clearly he was not happy with it at first but um if he was that calm about it and saw that, that, you know, just, you know, he looked like Williams looked like his head was to the side, everything was aside, it was just that extra push at the end, that one can be remedied a little bit easier than the helmet rule, which I think is just going to cause controversy, controversy throughout the preseason. And, you know, you really hope that it doesn't end up becoming something that, you know, there's a 15-yard penalty uh, at the end of a, you know, becoming a game deciding factor and, you know, a reason that somebody loses their job or, or you know, a team doesn't advance to the playoffs. All right. Thanks, Courtney. All right. Thank you. All right. Courtney Cronin covers the Vikings for ESPN.com. And I, when I was communicating with her today, I, I offered her a time, and her response was, you betcha. So it didn't take her long to be a Minnesotan. No, She's one of us now. She's one of us. She is uh, definitely, uh, you know, unlike Guerrero from Gary, Indiana, she can say, you betcha. She's one of us already. John Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. Twins and White Sox, they will be playing, well, tonight they'll be playing at the Target Field. I got a hunch seats are available this evening if you want to wander on down there. Those crowds weren't bad over the weekend. I was surprised. August, man. 30,000. Rural folks come in August. Well, uh, they'll play the White Sox tonight down at Target Field. This is a makeup game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then tomorrow, uh, they will be playing in Chicago. In fact, they'll play a two game series in Chicago against the White Sox. Uh, kind of a weird schedule. They then come back home for four games against the A's and then hit the road again. Oh, the A's are finally here. Huh? Yes. Wow. Yep. It'll be a weekend series, four-game mm-hmm. weekend series. They uh, haven't played Oakland at all this year. No. I don't think so. Tonight, Steven Gonsalves makes his Major League debut for the Twins. Lucas Giolito uh, will pitch for the White Sox. Facing Giolito will be this lineup. Maurer, Rosario, Polanco, Sano, Kepler, Garver, Cave, Austin, and Adrianza. Austin, is she Austin's homer the other night? The one that went... Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, he's, uh, he's, he's strong if they happen to hit his bat. Exactly. Uh, kicker Kai Forbath has been with the Vikings the past two seasons, released today. Uh, both uh, the team uh, had drafted Auburn kicker Daniel Carlson in the fifth round of last spring's NFL draft. Uh, Carlson obviously uh, winning the battle of kickers at training camp. Forbath 32 for 38 on field goal attempts last season, but missed a lot of extra points. Uh, he joined the team during the 2016 season after the release of Blair. This kid will kick a 60-yarder in the, in the Ziggy this spring, uh, this uh, fall, I predict. Uh, speaking of Charles, kickers. Kick him a mile. Uh, speaking of kickers, Sebastian Janikowski has a new job. Really? He's won the Seahawks kicking competition. Uh, they announced today they've cut Jason Myers, leaving Janikowski as the only kicker on their roster. Myers, who previously played two and a half years with the Jaguars, made both of his preseason field goals, but Seattle decided to go with a more experienced Janikowski. He is now 40 years old. 
Trying to fill the big shoes of Blair Walsh from last season. <laughs> Blair anywhere? Anybody seen Blair? I don't Blair think anybody happen? signed him. Nobody. So. He didn't get a job. Huh? Uh, Janikowski is 40 years old, spent his entire career with the Raiders until this offseason when he signed that one-year deal with Seattle. Uh, he missed all of last season with a back injury, and the Seahawks say he's been kicking well. And You'll have to be very him. happy to be kicking on artificial turf for the first time in his life. No, wait, does Seattle have grass? No, that's uh, not no, 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 they're turf. turf. Okay, they're turf. Yeah, better than kicking off the infield in uh, in Oakland. Yeah, in Oakland, yeah. <laughs> Looks like the Redskins are signing Adrian Peterson. It is a one-year deal. Uh, Peterson. It'll be his twelfth NFL season with his fourth team. Of course, he needs thirty-seven rushing yards to pass Jim Brown and crack uh, crack the top ten. I'm glad to see him get a job. Somebody told me he's a new father. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I heard. Hmm. He's a new father. You know, there's a decent chance if you say that every six months, it could be true. <laughs> That'd be eight. Eight is enough. Eight is enough. Oh, God. Minnesota has tabbed true freshman walk-on Zach Anikstead as the starting quarterback to open the season. Go for coach P.J. Flack announcing after practice today that Anikstead will be behind setter August 30th against New Mexico State. Flex says he's not planning a rotation between Anikstead and redshirt freshman Tanner Morgan, but the coach said... Tell? We need some quarterbacks coming in here. Well, we got one. Uh, Vic Veramontes. <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. <laughs> coach said he... tape makes you say wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think coach said he expects Morgan to see action later this year. Anikstead is a native of Norseland, who transferred from Mankato West High School to the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. His older brother, Brock, is also a wide receiver for the Gophers. Anikstead is a walkout on paper, but he had a few Power 5 scholarship offers, including one from Pittsburgh. Only eight teams in the FBS finished with fewer passing yards per game than the Gophers in Boy, they are. There is no Gopher conversation going on right now. It is there? weird. You're it right. Is, there uh, is very little. Yeah, considering all the BS that flies, it's, uh, you'd think there'd be more conversation. Uh, Mike Tirico will replace yes. Dan Patrick as host of NBC's Football Night in America pregame and postgame shows. Oh, really? That's too bad. I, I like Tirico, but Patrick was really good at that. Tirico will join last year's crew of Rodney Harrison. Yep. Tony, nailed it, Kenny. Nailed it. Tony Dungy and Mike Florio at NBC <laughs> Studios in Stamford, Connecticut. He pre- I have never watched a moment of it, but I'm very upset. I like Dan Patrick, too. I've never <laughs> seen a moment of it, but I, I like him. <laughs> Uh, Tirico, but the sad uh, thing is that show actually generated a gigantic number every week because it was you know it would pre- uh, be right before the big uh, yeah. game on Sunday night. I like Patrick. I've never <laughs> seen a minute of it. I have oh, no I, idea. Yeah. Tirico holds a wide ar- array of roles for NBC. He's worked as host for the Olympics, Triple Crown Racing, and Notre Dame football. 2018 will mark his 23rd season hosting or working play by play on a primetime NFL broadcast. All right, that's enough, Johnny. Thank okay, you. You're welcome. <laughs> I I think the uh, dream of the uh, Twins losing ninety has pretty well disappeared, don't you? Yeah, that uh, homestand. They're fifty nine and sixty four, so that's uh, hundred and twenty three games, right? There's only thirty nine left. They'd have to go thirteen and twenty six, and they got to have enough games left in the division to prevent that from happening. Including three against the Whiteys here. The the Whiteys right now. Although the Whiteys, I predict that when Cleveland falls off. 
the Whiteys are further ahead than everybody else. You think so? As, uh, as far as becoming the team that can win 83 games and win the division in a couple of years. <laughs> I think Cleveland's got another year or two, right, to, to be dominant. But the Whiteys... Before they start losing The guys. Whiteys have uh, kind of... They've gone young before everybody else, and they got some good young players. They need pitching, obviously. But the... Uh, yeah, 59-64. Would it be something if these uh, boys stumbled into 500? Well, there's a like decent chance yeah, they could. They are. They're, yeah. they're five games under. And... The best thing that happened, I, I said this on Twitter a couple hours ago, best thing that's happened to him since July 20, late July, is uh, Snow. Snow looks like he can move. You know, he's moving at third base. Okay, looks a lot better yeah. at third base than when a ball's hit down there to his left, and if it's more than one step away from him, he can get to it. And uh, at the plate, he's got a hint. He's got an idea. Would He's not just walking up there, just swinging, and swinging at everything, at everything and, and, yeah. and having no idea what he's doing. He's he's hit the ball away. He's taking the ball the other way, and uh, he's you know he looks if if you could have this snow right now, this condition two seventy five or whatever he is, you know, probably still two seventy five between two seventy and two seventy five. You'd take it, right? I would, Next yes. Spring, I, I would. I was I'd the, take this and all, because this and all hit 35 or 40 home runs and drive in 100. Yeah, I was at the game yesterday, and it looked like he made a nice play, actually, at third, where he went kind of mm-hmm. deep towards the, the Tigers' dugout and made a nice throw. For, he just looks like he can move around a little bit yes. better, and like you said, he's... Stepping up to the plate, and he looks like he knows what he's doing up there. And he's, he's not, not just, just up there not giving a damn. Violent. Well, he just was taking this violent pulling off the ball, this violent uppercut swing, yeah. and now he's staying on a pitch once in a while and hitting it the other way, and he's discovered that it'll go out just as easy to right center when he hits it mm-hmm. as it will the left center. The other thing, though, that worried me over the weekend is he's a, he's got a spot in the lineup, but Polanco's not your shortstop. He, he had a couple of plays over the weekend against Detroit that I'm like, oof. He's not consistent enough to be a big league shortstop on a team that you hope is in contention. He played better last year, the second half. I mean, the last two months than he is right now. Yeah. He's a, he's going to be their he's second, second baseman. baseman. Yeah, he's going to be their second baseman, and then they don't have their shortstop. Well, the per- no, he's in single A, Lewis. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, they need one. They need one now for next then. year, right? Exactly. They need one between now and then. It's not Nick Gordon. Not, not Nick Gordon's obviously not ready. You know who else and I am just not done a shortstop? With? Who? Jake Odorizzi. Oh my God. Yeah, he's making Lance Lynn. He's Lance Lynn. God, he throws a lot of pitches. Jesus, the first inning <laughs> yesterday because I watched a little bit before I had to go to our yeah. game, but he went one, two, was, three, and he I went full count. Every guy yeah. he threw twenty three pitches. St- and you know, you know what else? Two Reavers in the second inning. At least in the first inning, he threw a lot of pitches, but at least he was moving at a at a decent pace. Oh. Second inning, for whatever reason, he just started slowing down. He, For whatever uh, reason, it made no well, here's sense. His problem is he doesn't have any movement, really. He just throws it. He tries to throw it at different elevations, and he tries mm-hmm. to he tries to get you to uh, foul that fairly high fastball uh, back, and then throw it another two inches higher and hope you chase it. Right? Yes. I mean that's his out pitch is the high fastball, but is he doesn't really have. The stuff to go after hitters. He's he's you know. Well, if he gets behind, no, he's screwed. Yeah. You know, if he if he's down three one to a guy, he knows he's in trouble. 
Yeah, he. Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, they're not going to be able to trade him. They'll just probably let him walk, don't you think? Non-tender him. Yeah, yeah, I probably non-tender him. Otherwise, he because it, you know, he does. The end of the year, he's going to be what four and a half, four and a half ERA, probably four point yeah. two, four point three, something like that. I don't even I haven't looked. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, Tampa. It's ordinary. Tampa cheated us, man. They cheated us. <laughs> they 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 traded us. A starting pitcher, and they then they convinced us to sign a thirty-eight home run hitting DH. Why did they get the better of those two deals? Yeah, yeah. Releasing Logan Morrison, they got the best of that deal, and then uh, yeah, they they cheated us. So uh, who is both. your rotation next year outside of Barrios? And if they don't trade Gibson, well, they bring him back. Pineda's probably gonna, the one guy is probably going to make oh, a couple true. of starts Pineda. in September. About him. Pineda, but. I think it's a little premature to say he'll be in your rotation. But if they, isn't if, it? Romero, Gonsalves. If if Rizzi, let's say this is it for Rizzi and he's gone. Yeah. I mean, is it probably more likely that they would keep Gib- Gibby then and not trade well, they'll him? They'll keep Gibby. I think you know they might have to sign Gibby to a three year deal. Or yeah. Easier, you know. He and Barrios are your guys, right? Because he has one more year of arbitration, mm-hmm. correct, Gibson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your feeling on Barrios, boys? I'm starting to agree with your son. Mm-hmm. Not an ace. Not an ace, but not he's still ace, a guy that would be probably a number two or a number three. But yeah. not an ace. You know, not a not a guy going head to head with uh, um, Chris Sale at his best or something like that. So, I, I that's that's probably going into next year going to that and find as you say finding a shortstop will probably be their biggest biggest problems. And of course, what are they going to do? Are they going to bring Buxton back and let him play in September? Let him play in September? Well, you almost have to at this point, don't yeah. you? We'll play him for three weeks and see how bad it is. If if you're going into the off season now, With and Jake, you're looking at Jake Cave and Tyler Austin, and well, if you're looking at free agency, I mean, obviously you're not. I mean, forget about like Bryce Harper and all mm-hmm. that, you know, all that other stuff. But who are you? What what type of player are you looking at to add in to say, okay, this guy can at least help us a little bit. I mean, we're not going all in on trying to win next year, but we got we need bodies. So I mean who do you who are you even looking at? What type of player I call are you up Cleveland, at? say I want Francisco Lindor and you can have any five. You can take any five you five. want. You can have five. <laughs> okay. You can have five. I want Lindor. That's it. You can take any five you want. You can't take my in the big leagues. They gotta be big league guys. You gotta take five in the big leagues. Yeah, well they'd laugh at you at that point. What? What five big leaguers would they want? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, they could have Kepler, Buxton, Snow, uh Brios. Bobby Wilson. Bobby Brios and yeah, Bobby. Gibby. They could get Bobby to frame the hell out of it, man. I don't know. That's uh, I guess that's what I do. No, I don't know what you do. You know what? Castro, maybe throw Castro in there. He'll be back and he healthy. Will be back. And, you know, yeah, we got him for another year. Thank God. That's the other thing uh, though, too. They got to they, they got to find a catcher. Yep. Yes, because Castro just yeah. The idea. I, I love Bobby Wilson. I think he's a great guy. But the idea that you don't have Garver catching six out of every seven games is idiotic. You got to find out, right? You got to yeah. at least see. Sign. He's better than he was a month ago, but he'll still let him. At least he can hit a little bit. And, yeah, yeah. But he's probably going to be your backup again. You need a number one catcher. I I don't know. You know, they they will be next year. They won't disappoint us. This year they we'll disappointed be, we'll be, us. Next year we'll be expecting, we'll be expecting sub mediocrity. <laughs> so 
We won't be disappointed at it's this It's a hell time. of a banner ad to run yes, with for the is. 2019 yeah. campaign. <laughs> Just what you expect. 2019. Something like that. We'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick? Despite the nickname of the Papa Bear, George Hallis was not always lovable and cuddly. In fact, he was as tough and as crafty as anyone who ever competed in the NFL. On this day in history, 1920... Representatives of seven semi-pro football teams got together uh, at the Hupmobile dealership in Canton, Ohio, and formed the American Professional Football Association, uh, the uh, seven teams, and uh Jim Thorpe was representing the Canton Bulldogs, for goodness sakes, as one of the teams there. But George Hallis was there representing the Decatur Staleys, and uh, they started Pro Football League, uh, Pro Football on uh, this season, and it's considered the forerunner to the NFL. The season ran from December, uh, September 26th to December 19th, uh, but uh, the Hupmobile... Now, you want to know what the Hupmobile was, right? Mm-hmm. It was an automobile built from 1909 through 1939 by the Hup Motor Car Company. The prototype was developed in 1908. The first Hupmobile model, the Hup 20, was introduced at the 1909 Detroit Automobile Show. It was an instant success. So if you got a, a finely conditioned Hupmobile from about 1930, you're in good shape. But anyway, uh, George Hallis, amazingly was uh, one of the founders of the NFL, and he was still running the Bears in the uh, 1980s, 1970s. I went down and saw him in the 80s uh, and, and went, to, went down there and lined up. He and his buddy, his ticket guy, were running a little Bears office. He was no longer running the team, but he was running a little Bears office downtown when his old buddies would stop and pick up their tickets, and they'd take the money. And I spent uh, about three hours there, and I'd heard these horror stories about what a jackass he was. He was the nicest old guy that ever lived there. Hmm. Great big hands. Was it because he was removed from yeah, his old position? Yeah, because nobody came and saw him. You know, he was in. He got his scrapbooks out, and they had them all there, and it was great. Okay. But my favorite George Hallis story ever is when the Vikings defeated them 37-13 to yep. in the first game the Vikings ever played. And the bus was getting ready to go back to the Minneapolis airport to fly them home. And George walked in the bus, looked around at his team, because they only had like 35 players then. Mm-hmm. So they were on one bus. And he said, you're all a bunch of short C-words. <laughs> that was... <laughs> And not you're acting like no, one. You no, are no, one. No, you are one. You are short C words. You're not acting like one. <laughs> anyway, this day NFL started. Uh, nobody would have known it. They're sitting on the fender of a Hupmobile, and they've formed what we have now today. Tell me you will try to slip away somehow. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands. 
like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.